Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I am Father Shane Demon. And I'm Father Travis Crowdy. And we are so excited to be with you for another episode in these beautiful days of the fall season. Father Travis, how you doing? Excellent. Very good. Yeah, hanging in there, feeling healthy, feeling strong? <laughs> Trying. <laughs> you know what? I never expect, expected, expected, it sounded like a northern Minnesota mom, expected. I never expected mass to be so... Uh, exhausting yeah it is now don't get me wrong like i'm sure moms who have to hold their kids the entire time that's a total different level of exhaustion but like preaching multiple masses in a row and just sort of being on Mm -hmm. and presiding at a liturgy it's a little little exhausting it is and they they don't tell you that in seminary do they not really no it's great i love it it was funny today i was i was preaching and there was some kids who are really loud again moms who are listening love when the kids come mm-hmm. lots of energy mm-hmm. but i get louder when i preach when there's a kid like getting loud i'm like you're not beating me out i've, I've so got competitive. you oh yeah <laughs> but it's funny because um we we broadcast it on like this local television channel right and i never actually watched it on there so i, I clicked that channel to see what it looked like and it was actually the mass but it's funny because you can't hear the kid crying but you just hear me getting louder and louder and louder okay. as i'm preaching so i'm like whoa easy <laughs> calm <laughs> Down. Pump the brakes, Father. Pump yes. the brakes. It's going well, yeah. Ice cream capital of the world is, is just wonderful. Great mm-hmm. place. Great place to be. It is exhausting to do a bunch of masses in the weekend, and that's a good thing. Yeah. It's a good tired. But, you know, when you really want to engage people and they're coming through the door and, oh, Father, you know, it's our 50th celebration, you know, for our wedding anniversary. Can we have a blessing? Father, my husband was just put in the hospital last night. Can you stop by and see them, give them an right. meeting? And you're, you're really trying to meet your parishioners one by one and engage with right. them. And then if you're preaching off the cuff, if you don't have notes or if you're just working off an outline, I mean, that takes a lot of mental strain. Right. But then when you just literally want to stand up and lead people and pray. Right. Deepen their prayer experience. And you yourself are standing there offering the sacrifice of God the Son to God the Father on behalf yeah. of, well, the whole world, but particularly your own parishioners. Uh, there is a spiritual energy that's required for all of that. Right. And then you got to remember, you know, what are the end of mass announcements? And uh, then everyone wants to talk to you after mass. And they, you know, Father, Father, can you do this for me? Father, can you do that for me? It's a beautiful exhaustion to just give of yourself, but you have to be on for hundreds of people. Right. <laughs> that does take some, uh, some energy. It does. It's different than being, if any students are listening, the feeling of being exhausted sitting in a class hour after hour is mm-hmm. very different. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is beautiful. I have learned like there's this spiritual exhaustion of pouring yourself out with your people to the Lord in prayer. That's really beautiful. And not letting it just be like a, a functionary thing that you're doing of mm-hmm. another mass, another mass, another mass. I can whip through these things, but to really try to enter into it. But then on top of it, yeah, just like a lot of running. We have a mm-hmm. big church, so like back and forth between the two, two sacristies adds up. Mm-hmm. I should keep one of those little step counters on to see how many I get. I bet. You should. Yeah. What have you been up to, Father Shane? Uh, been doing a lot of traveling for vocations work. Just recently came back from Conception Abbey, seeing the faculty down there and students. What a wonderful college seminary. Your My alma mater. Alma mater. Yes. That's right. Sons of Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to be back at Conception. And then I was also over at Benedictine. 
uh, Benedictine College, visiting folks from the diocese down there. So for all of our listeners down at Benedictine, and you know who you are, and you know when you get compliments on your hair down there. <laughs> all of you <laughs> from the Diocese of Sioux City listening at Benedictine, shout out to all of you. Ravens will soar. They will. They will. Yeah. They will. What a good place. Yeah. It's a wonderful place. I love that campus. Um, it was so telling to walk around that campus versus some of the other state universities that oh, I visited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how joyful everybody was. It's evident that these people are actually desiring to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's even during COVID when you're yeah. not sure if you should look at somebody in the eyes or not. <laughs> it was constant. I was just walking around campus for a couple of days yeah. doing various meetings, um, seeing various people. And, you you know, you just um, you just walk around campus and you just see all these people, you know. Hi, Betty. Hi, Jamie. Yeah. Hi, Susie. Everyone's waving at each other. Everyone's engaging. Right. There is a, an intentionality of, about bringing a, a true sense of community to that campus. Yeah. That we're not just individuals who happen to live on the same block, but we're building one another up. That was very evident, and, and Benedictine's doing great things. Absolutely. So for any of our high schooler students or parents with uh, children listening, check out Benedictine. Yeah, Benedictine College. You're going to want to go there. They're doing a great job down there. Um. Did you now? That's two Benedictine monasteries in the same week. Did you get to pray with the monks at all? No. Oh, I did missed not. out. I did not. Um, just for COVID purposes. Yeah, I wasn't staying in the monasteries. Right. Um, and was doing daily mass separately from them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I when I'm when I'm down there, that's usually the yeah. case. I miss I miss praying liturgy of the hours. Go go listen to our, one of our first podcasts, liturgy of the hours. But nice I miss plug. praying with the monks. Man, they're awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you can go down and do some retreats with them. Mm-hmm. That's great. When COVID passes. Yep. yep. Whenever that is. Whenever. In God's time. What do you got for us today, Father Shane? What are we, what are we chatting about here? You know, uh, Father Travis, um, a couple of months ago, one of our faithful listeners reached out and contacted us and requested a particular topic that I am calling Holier Than Thou. Mm. Uh, this listener called in and uh, said, you know, what do you do when um, you constantly feel inferior to a bunch of other Catholics mm-hmm. or you just don't feel like you measure up or you, you know, you see someone at church or you see someone with their rosary beads and they just seem so devout and they're just so much more holy than you are. Mm-hmm. What do you do with those feelings, you know? And I know you've never felt that. <laughs> well, it's funny that you're mentioning college seminary and colleges. Uh-huh. Because that's where that stuff yeah, runs pops. rampant a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because, you know, young people, they grow up with a certain expression of the faith. And some will come to a college campus who, you know, might come from a more intense experience of the faith. So you see a girl wearing a veil. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh man, you're not a real Catholic unless you wear that. Or you're not a real Catholic unless you have a scapular. I remember thinking this in college seminary. I'm like, right. I don't even know what a scapular is. It's like, <laughs> you're not a real seminary unless you wear the scapular and always have like a, a rosary, uh, a consecration chain around your around right. your wrist. Well, you're not actually a real scapular unless you keep a rock in your shoe with the scapular, with the rosary chain. And it's just all this stuff. Right. Um, so yeah, it can be it can be hard when you're just stepping into a new experience. And because you see people who seem to have some sort of insider knowledge. You're like, well, they clearly must be holier because they have this kind of exterior. Right. Um, and I, when I was in seminary, I brought this to spiritual direction one day. I just said to my spiritual director, you know, so-and-so just always seems so holy. They just always seem to have it all together. And he just shut me down. <laughs> yeah. He said, no, don't you dare. We are not going down that road. We are not playing externals. 
And as it turns out, this guy that I was comparing myself to, you know, isn't even a priest today. Right. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, he, he looked devout with his rosary beads in the pew, but his life took a, a very different direction than mine did. And uh, my spiritual director rightfully and very helpfully was pointing out that playing these, playing these external comparison games does no good. Right. Um, and it's very dangerous spiritually to walk into those areas and only start judging another book by its cover, but also putting yourself down and minimizing where grace might be active in, or inactive in your life uh, or where you might not even be perceiving where God is leading you. Right. It's highly, highly dangerous because you walk into a church, you just see someone, oh, they're so holy. They, they just always seem to have it together. What a saint. Well, you don't know that. Right. You know, they might, they might look really pious, but, he, you know, uh, if the priest could tell you what they're saying in the confessional, right. you might learn a whole, whole other story. I got a great example of that from seminary, uh, Father Taylor, who was on here sure. a, couple, a couple episodes ago. We were in the same seminary together, and we'd pray a holy hour in the mornings, and we would often spend too much time hanging out at young adults' houses and stuff, and then get back really? late. And yeah, You're kidding. Yep. So early holy hours were very early. A 6 a.m. holy hour was very, very early. So he sat like maybe four or five pews ahead of me, just where guys end up sitting in the seminary. And I was just dozing off the whole time during this holy hour. It was really hard. And from where I could see the back of his head, it looked like he was just super focused the whole time. Mm -hmm. So after, I'm just so discouraged. Like, how does he do it? Like, we stayed up too late talking to all these people, but like he's just have, probably having the best holy hour in the world. And I, I'm, mine sucks and I'm a terrible, I'm so bad. I'm terrible at praying. I'm not holy at all. And I talked to him afterwards. Guess what? He was sleeping too. He just <laughs> somehow didn't nod his head as much. He had as, his chin propped up exactly. on his periphery or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's just so silly because I spent that whole time in this tumultuous, just like putting myself down with this really weird thought patterns that I just let myself get into. And the pff, evil one loves that place. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the Lord was there in the Blessed Sacrament, inviting me to be with him, and I'm focusing so much on other stuff, right. on, on this other person in front of me who was also asleep. <laughs> yeah, and then all of a sudden your, your attention is just into this comparison game, and it, the opportunity just to go back to Jesus was missed, right? right. Mm-hmm. And you know, not only do we not know what could be going on in someone else that appears to have it all together, um, we don't know if that person, well, maybe they are really holy in that moment, I mean, maybe they are just kind of a walking example of the gospel. But you don't know what's going to happen five years from now, you mm-hmm. know, if they kind of fall off the wagon. Nor do you know what graces are going to be in store for you. Right. So maybe you're at a legitimate point in your faith life right now where you're just at a kind of a, a remedial stage. Maybe you're just on a beginner's level of learning how to pray, uh, learning how to read and pray with Scripture, learning some devotions. Maybe you're just at a beginning stage. Okay, well, you don't know kind of what the rest of your journey will look like. Right. And not that we're interested in putting you up on a pedestal or you yourself doing that, but what happens 60 years from now if everyone's looking at you like your mother Teresa? You yep. know, uh, we don't want to minimize the graces and the growth that will still come for you uh, and get you trapped into a feeling like I'm worthless, everyone else is so much more better than me. Because this isn't a competition. Right. When, when the graces that the Lord has in store for you are going to unveil great fruit in the future. Right. That comparison's a weird cycle too, because when you put yourself down, then you start comparing yourself to those who might be have lesser faith than you. Right. I found myself in this in college seminary. It's like, well, I'm not as holy or as smart or as good or as athletic or whatever as this guy, but at least I'm 
quote unquote holier than these schmucks from high school or something like that. Like at least I'm holier than these people. And it's this weird place where then all of a sudden you're being prideful out of a place of inadequacy right and it keeps spinning around and spinning around yeah whereas what i found then is i kind of grew in my own i don't know identity as a beloved son of god it's like oh my identity actually doesn't come from what i do or don't do mm-hmm. <laughs> or how good i am at anything it comes from god's love for me and then there's just like a whole new freedom of like oh <laughs> i get to be me and turns out that guy gets to be him mm-hmm. and that's fine right <laughs> that's great and the Lord's got different missions for you. Right. With different graces, different gifts and talents, and he's okay with that. Right. And nowhere does Jesus say in the scriptures, um, blessed are they who look holier than the other person. Right. You know, nowhere in scripture does he say, the guy three pews down, three pews away from you is the way, the truth, and the life. Right. You know, run towards him. No, 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 no. Right. <laughs> this is really, really dangerous. Go back to Jesus. Right. Keep your eyes fixated on him. Right. And nowhere does he say like this, this, I mean, some people get a little bent out of shape about this. Nowhere does he say you must do this devotion, this devotion, this devotion, and this devotion. There's so many different types of prayer and devotion in the life of the church. Mm -hmm. If it works for you, awesome. Mm -hmm. But if it feels like this kind of burden that I I see the people around me praying this way, doing this, acting this way, kind of, they have this type of Catholic swag and I don't, I don't have, I don't have that. Um, that means I'm not a real Catholic. I'm not a real Christian. Easy. Right. <laughs> As a friend said once, like the church is a big tent and there's room for everybody. Mm-hmm. There's lots of different expressions of the faith and, and of prayer. So mm-hmm. yeah, but the evil one again, loves to get us in that place of comparison mm-hmm. where if you're not exactly like that person that you're comparing yourself to, you're not a good Christian, right. not a good disciple. Right. And I think this can also happen in our devotion to the saints. You know, um, a mother with four children reads an article about Mother Teresa who was, you know, picking up lepers in the streets, in the gutters of Calcutta, and she thinks, oh, I'm such a bad Catholic, I'm such a bad Christian, you know, I should go go bathe lepers right now. Right. Okay, well, first of all, um, Mother Teresa was called to that, Jesus wanted her to do that, and Jesus actually afforded her the time in religious life to do that. Mm-hmm. Jesus needs you to raise these four children in your house right now. Yeah. He needs you to pour, you know, motherly love and attention into them. Right. And he doesn't need you to start a religious order in northern India right now. Right. Right. <laughs> no. We we each have kind of our role and Jesus needs that done. Mm-hmm. And he needs it done well and he's going to sanctify you and others through that mission. Right. That's not to say that we can't be encouraged by the saints to say, "Oh gee, you know, the saints give me a strong example to commit some time to prayer." to be Mm -hmm. rooted in the Eucharist, to have a strong Marian devotion. All those things can happen and should be encouragements from the lives of the saints. But we can't play this game like, if I'm not like every saint and do everything that the saints have done, well, then I'm bad. Right. And that thought leads to this. I've seen it with a lot of friends and people who are, again, maybe remedial or novices in the Christian life in college. They can get kind of in a place of despair of like, well, if I can't be like a saint, then why even try? And then, that can sometimes lead to just kind of forfeiting the faith altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can't, if I can't be the super, the super Catholic, then my, what am I going to do? Um, right. Or if they've discerned religious life or priesthood, it might be this idea of, well, that's the, you're a super Christian if you're a priest or a nun, mm-hmm. um, but I'm just a, a lousy old lay person. No, 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 no. I preached about this the other day. Lumen Gentium, second Vatican council is so clear. Fourth chapter is all about the universal call to holiness. Right. Um, and, uh, St. Francis de Sales would always talk about your state in life. 
Um, and sometimes we don't think about that. We kind of have an egalitarian society where we're all equal. Right. No. God calls us different states in life and to be holy according to that state in life. To be holy as a mother and a father, to be holy as a priest or a nun. Well, you could line up a whole room full of priests and sisters, <laughs> monks and brothers, and ask all of them, tell me some really super Catholics in your world. And they're usually going to point to lay people. Exactly. You know, right? the lay people all think that we're the holiest ever. Right. And usually it just goes in reverse because we get to witness, you know, these these parents or these single people or these widows or these widowers doing all these wonderful things for their family, extended family and friends, their community, their parish, bending over backwards with very generous hearts. And we look, wow, that is, that's a super Catholic right there. Right. And, and again, we can pass out compliments without running this big comparison trap again. Right. But just to be honest about that, to say, uh, let's not minimize us if we think, don't minimize yourself if you think everyone else is the super Catholic out there. Right. Because your path to, to holiness can really be inspiring. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's there's lots to kind of process here. Um, you know, going back to the saints, there is so much we can learn from them, but that has to be balanced with what does Jesus want you to do in this time and in this place? You and I, as brother priests, we can look to our patron, St. John Vianney, mm-hmm. and learn an awful lot from him. I would love, love to, uh, you know, have 15 hours of lines of confessions out the door right. every day. But if I were to actually sit in a confessional 15 hours a day, that actually might make me disobedient to my bishop's assignment to go out and recruit vocations yes. to the priesthood. Right. You know, um, John Vianney had a particular role in a particular time. And in our own day and age, while we would love to have the same sanctity among all priests, mm-hmm. that's going to look a little differently, particularly as we're sitting here, you know, recording a podcast. Exactly right. <laughs> it's going to look, look a little different than what John Vianney had right after the French Revolution in a small town in southern France. Right. So the way that holiness is going to be uh, achieved and the way that God is going to call you and draw you to himself, that's going to look very different. And so not playing the... Um, the comparison game and or just judging a book by its cover is going to save you a whole lot of turmoil and spiritual heartache if we if we prevent ourselves from going down that path. Right. You're talking about the saints and I'm thinking about when you took us and some seminarians on the pilgrimage a few years ago to Europe mm-hmm. and we went to Italy and to actually France, St. John Vianney. Right. What I was so moved by was seeing the bodies of these saints. Um, we had St. Ambrose, maybe, no, his feast day wasn't recently, I think maybe a reading in the liturgy for me. We him. did, yes, yeah. recently. Yeah. yeah, and I was reminded of his of his tomb. Um, mm. Oh, we had Charles Borromeo, who's also in Milan. That's right. why I was thinking of it. But St. Ambrose is just like his skeleton and bishop's vestments right. in, in a box. Right. And I was just so moved because I thought, man, this guy, didn't he, he did not plan to be in bishop's vestments in a box right. in, a, in a basilica. Like, right. he was just trying to be a faithful Christian right. um, and a faithful priest and a faithful bishop and then his life has now become a model to all of us but he was just responding to the need of his people in Milan mm-hmm. and I picked up recently the the book called I think just a parish priest about now blessed uh, Michael J. McGivney sure founder of the Knights of Columbus sure. and I was really moved by the same thing and just in the first couple of chapters yeah would it be awesome to start like a huge men's fraternity that has lasted all the all these years sure that'd be great but he just looked around at his local community and saw what his Irish immigrant families needed, and he just responded with faithful fatherhood, right? 
John Vianney did the same thing. Mm-hmm. He just responded with faithful fatherhood. And then the Lord used that first step and then right. brought something great. And so you just categorize kind of what the path towards holiness is. Follow Jesus, respond where there's a need, and keep your eyes focus, focused on him. John Vianney, Charles Borromeo, Ambrose, they didn't sit down and you know, play these comparison <laughs> games like, oh, well, I just can't go outside of my rectory today because I'm not as holy as all those other people. Right. No, there's a need. Get to work, but just keep fixated on Jesus. Right. It's a very simple formula, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, nor did they fall prey to the other side of it, which I think maybe our, our, our questioner who brought this up might experience as well, of like when you feel like you're the holiest one, maybe you're not in that place of inadequacy, but maybe you're feeling tempted toward that place of pride of, wow, like I, I am holier than everybody else. Nobody else is, you know, really, really following the Lord. I'm, I'm trying to do the right thing. Um, and, and you can have that temptation to kind of put people in their place or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, <laughs> there's so many opportunities to just receive humility from the Lord mm-hmm. and realize that the lives of the saints can stand as either models for us to, to look up to or to kind of humble us sometimes when we realize, oh, maybe we're not actually as holy as we think. Right. So lots to keep in, in mind, and uh, appreciate the uh, listener reaching out via email just to kind of offer this um, point, and hopefully it's good fodder for all of us to keep in mind that we're not an outcast towards others if we keep our eyes fixed on Christ. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thanks Thank for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.